Thank you, Debbie. That's a message that the church needs to hear. Yeah. Right. Because we do not know and uh, we don't know how to evaluate being a believer. People that profess to be a believer and yet they're not. Yeah. They're living religious lives so we don't really know the Lord. And, uh, that's that's true. I, I can bear testimony to that that it's easy to be religious. It's easy to give forth a, a verbal testimony but it's completely different picture when the person has actually been delivered when the person has actually been saved and their life has been changed and uh, there are the church is filled with people i'm not trying to be critical but it's true the evangelical church is filled with people who say that they're believers who think they're believers but who really still are in charge of their lives they have not surrendered and uh it's a it's a very it's a tug on my heart uh, and I know it displeases the Lord. So that's why we we keep coming back to the scriptures. I was going to talk to you this morning uh, in the book of Colossians about um, the, the, the commitment of our hearts as we were getting ready to look at the text. And uh, let's do that. Let me, let me open uh, in prayer. Uh, actually, we could just say amen now because that testimony was really a powerful testimony. It was. Yeah. It's really necessary for us to see that. Let me open it up. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your infinite mercy. While Debbie was talking about her stubbornness, I kept thinking about mine. And I'm sure that all of us know what it's like <laughs> to run from you. And it's very not possible. I'm certain that there are those here today that are still doing that. I find in my heart sometimes there's resistance, self-centered. Bible warns about lust, about uh, lying, about greed. And yet those things still come out of my mouth and my life at times, and and uh, it's not not pleasing to you. And, uh, so I just pray that you. You would work in our hearts, work through our lives to exalt the Savior, to cause us to surrender, to speak to us, and that we would surrender our lives to you and, and really love you, really love you, and really honor you, and really put you first. We can't do it. You have to do it in our lives. <clears throat> Thank you for what you did and are doing in Debbie's life and Larry's life. Yes, that you would do it in my life, in our lives, that we would be obedient, would be submissive, and that you would be honored, and you would be exalted, and you would be glorified in us and through us. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the, the testimony time. That's a good idea, and I, I am very excited about that. I pray that, that those that might be listening by way of Zoom, and I don't know, I didn't check and see what was going on there, but I pray that the testimony of her life would be used and used just like Unshackled. Unshackled is a, a radio broadcast that comes from the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago and their testimonies of people and how they stubbornly resisted the gospel until the time that you brought them on their knees. You're so good. You're so good to us and so merciful and so gracious. And I am so thankful that you're working in our midst and in our lives. And I just pray that you would be glorified and everything that we say and do here uh, in this area of Fletcher, and that Jesus Christ would be honored in our lives as we go out here this morning. 
my phrase is it's nearly Thanksgiving. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 4 says this. Uh, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is manifested, then you also will be manifested with him in glory. We have an outline in the bulletin, and the first point of that outline uh, there is just a kind of a summary of that first verse, and that is our position that's mentioned there in that first verse. And I, I want to kind of give a little, little bit of a foundation to that. Uh, the, the verse actually probably would better read, since you have been raised up with Christ. And that gives us something of a position. We are seated with Christ. We are raised with him. And uh, we are positionally in Christ. I'm going to share a little bit of testimony, just as Debbie had, that uh, you may be surprised. I don't know. I guess nothing surprises us. But I, I, had, um, I struggle with the flesh and struggle with the temptations of the world. I know like we all do. Uh, the other day I was at uh, Lowe's and I was sitting there and uh, I, at this particular junction, there's a section there in which they, they have four or five registers that are self-help. You come in, you can scan your own item and use your credit card or they will take cash and stuff like that. And so I sit on the side and just kind of watch. The company lets me sit there and I appreciate that because my knees and stuff like that, they allow that. And I, so I sit and watch, and if anybody needs help, I get up and help them and stuff. And so I'm sitting there, but I have a chance for my mind to wander to think about things because it's not always not always busy. So I'm sitting there thinking about things, and this attractive girl walks by, and instantly my mind is flipped, and I'm lusting after her and stuff like that. And I'm trying to stop myself, and I and say, Lord, and I I'm thinking about that. I said, I wish you would kill me. And then as I was saying that, and I, I, what I meant was not necessarily just uh, lightning out of the sky zap me, but that you would kill me so that I wouldn't just automatically lust after somebody. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that I would be stopped in my tracks because the life that's there that, that's lusting or the whatever it would be, whether it would be wasting time or uh, whatever it would be, laziness or stealings or lying or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Whatever it would be, that it would, would not be there. And as I was thinking about that, all of a sudden I was thinking about passages uh, like Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, which says, Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. And that's what it means. It, that, that's what the Bible talks a lot about the fact that we've died with Christ, that we've been crucified, and uh, that there is this, there's this real struggle in our lives that we, um, if we know the Lord, that we have died with him, and that he is living in us, and that passion, uh, the Bible says, reckon yourself dead unto sin and alive unto God. And that, that, makes it clear that we can do something, that we're involved in this, and that's part of what it is to discipline your mind. And so when you catch yourself thinking about things you shouldn't think about, or going to do something 
that you shouldn't do, that you want to guard the affections of your heart. You understand what I'm saying? And just kind of really ask the Lord to help. I've asked the Lord to help me so many times and still just the snap of the fingers, my mind can be deviated, my heart can be turned aside. And uh, we just carry with us that flesh. And I have a lifetime of struggling with that. So it's it's not just a, a five minute struggle. Sometimes it can be uh, habits that have been built up. Do you understand what I'm saying in your life? And uh, we're just, we are, we are people that struggle at least I am. I struggle with my self-centeredness, my self-will, my pride, my lust, my anger, uh, things like that. And that's a, it's the old man. And yet, I'm a different person. And that the old man didn't care. I, I think I've shared with you before I was saved. I used to be a regular subscriber to Playboy magazine. I used to read that and study, go through that, and it didn't bother me. After I was saved, right away, I knew every time I look at it, I would I would feel guilty. I knew it was wrong. There was a battle going on. You understand what I'm saying? And uh, that, that, that really takes place. And so I was, I was uh, experiencing a turmoil, a battle in my life. And that battle goes on. And I was thinking about that and thinking about getting ready for what we're looking at today. And the several verses came to mind. So I'm going to just want to look at First John for a moment. You got your Bibles turned over to First John. We, we started our study in First John some time ago, but we've kind of got waylaid, uh, which is actually good. It's good because it gives us a chance to hear from somebody whose mind is working. My mind is getting to places. It slows down, and it's hard for me to remember the things that I want to say, whatever. So, but uh, in First John chapter two, which is not, we, we haven't gotten to that yet in our study of First John, but it says this, which is a verse you know. It says, "Do not love the world, nor the things in the world." Now you know that, and then you you know also that the word that's translated there for love does not mean first and foremost, do not feel emotional toward it. We think of love today as something that you feel. You love a person, you just think, stop thinking about them, you love to be with them and stuff like that. But, and, and that's connected with this, but this is also connected with the decision, volitional process of our minds. It says, do not love, do not pursue, do not embrace, uh, do not run after, do not make provision for the things of the world. And uh, he goes on to say, if anyone makes provision for the world, if anyone provides for the world, if anyone loves the world, if anyone seeks the world, if anyone's living uh, for the worldly goals, the love and the provision that God has given to them for the Father is not there in their life. In other words, that affection that God has given uh, to the believer to love the Father uh, has been redirected now and is being directed toward the world. And so he's not really loving the Father. But there's a verse in um, Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not after the counsel of the wicked. You know that. We stand and see the center of the citizen uh, uh, of scoffers. But that first one, the counsel of the wicked, is not just talking about happy, fortunate, or blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, but it's talking about all the, the ideas of, of being involved in living under the, the auspices of seeking the goals that the wicked have, of taking the advice, the culture, the wisdom of the world, and letting that be part of your life. It says, happy and fortunate is the man who does not set his living standards according to the wicked. 
and the, 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 the standards of the wicked are the things that give wisdom and direction to his life or whatever. Blessed is the man who doesn't do that. And he, he goes on talking about those that sit, stand in the seat of scoffers. He's just talking about the influence, basically, of the, in your life, the wicked influence in your life. And he says, but in contrast to that, that his, uh, he will be like a tree. If he delights in the law of the Lord, he'll be like a tree planted by streams of water, where in that climate, it was a desert climate, and the things were dry, and, and plants would struggle to just get a little bit of greenery there because it was so dry and so barren, with the only exception that there were some places, like an oasis, where there was abundant water underneath the ground, and the tree would be planted by that source of water, and it would prosper, it would be green, and it would bear fruit in its seasons, and that's a picture of the one who delights in the law of the Lord. And the delighting in the law of the Lord is in contrast to delighting in my own self and my own goals and, and the things of the world. Do you understand that? See that? So this is a picture, even as we get into the text here, this is a picture of, of putting Jesus and putting God first in your life. That's one of my prayers. It bothers me. Because I know that I should love the Lord, and yet I see that I love myself. And I love my things about myself. The things that are that are important to me are the things that make me feel good, that make me happy, and that I you know look forward to going to Disney World or going on a cruise. The things that, that stimulate my flesh like that, or going to the movies and stuff like that, are not things that help me to grow. And uh, I, I don't want to feed my my life with the toys that that distract my attention the, the movies the world these things it all is geared to directing my energies and my attention and my focus away from things that matter to myself and the things that i like to do you understand that if i am i and it's there's a real battle going on here and it's it's in my heart and i'm sure that there are times when you see that in your life it's a real struggle so he says here, not to pursue or love the things of the world. If anyone loves or pursues or runs after the, the things of the world, then the love and the pursuit that he has for God uh, does not exist. He's turned away from the Father and turned to himself. Think of Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do you mind what it is? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, this, and literally this alone he will reap. If you sow to the flesh, which means all these things we're talking about, the movies, the, the, the uh, toys of the world, if we, if we sow to the flesh, if our main focus, for example, is the Super Bowl rather than Bible study, if we sow to the flesh, then um, we're going to reap destruction. But if so the spirit, we're going to reap life. So we have the flesh, we can feed the flesh, we can pursue the flesh, we can, can pursue after the things that pamper the flesh, which is what we do. I do that. Or we can sow the, the spirit and the things of the spirit. If we do that, the flesh, then that's going to reap death. What it means is it's going to reap spiritual death. We're going to care less and less about the things of God. We're going to drift further and further and further away. That's why uh, when you, you were talking about college when you went off to college how your affections were so easily directed because you were in a place where it was easy to sow to the flesh 
And he doesn't, the, the more you sow, the more you, the hungrier you get in the flesh and the more you can drift further away. So it's a, it's a battle that is real. And that's why it's a struggle that we really have, especially for our kids. We love our kids and we want to protect them, but we can't because they, they contain the same dose of the flesh that mom and dad do. And yet the Lord may not have gotten hold of their hearts and lives. And so it's really, really important. So anyway, this uh, passage in Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows to his life, that and that alone he's going to reap. If he sows to the flesh, then he's going to reap fleshly things, death. Death to the Lord and fleshly things in his life. If he sows to the spirit, the spiritual realm, prayer, uh, Bible study, uh, witnessing, church, fundamental, adding to your life the real, the truths of, of the godly life, the discipline, spiritual disciplines, then you'll produce a harvest of life. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So it depends on what you sow, and that's an important verse. And the way that verse starts out is really something that we should take notice of, and that is it starts out by saying, be not deceived. What that means is, <clears throat> it's a warning from the scripture, from, from the Lord, from Paul, that this is an area in which we are deceived. Because we don't go into this thinking, well, I'm just going to turn away from the Lord, and I'm going to, to serve myself, and I'm just going to have, not going to have anything to do with the Lord anymore. I'm done with it. No, we don't do that. We think we can hold on to that, and we can just play games with these other things. You may deceived. Because you cannot reap a spiritual harvest by selling to the flesh. You cannot do it. It's impossible. It will not happen. You're deceiving yourself. And so here's a warning coming from Scripture that uh, the Lord has put in my life, which I need to listen to, and so do you, if you're serious about your, your love for the Savior. It's not to sow to the flesh, not to, to put the things of the flesh and the things that pamper the flesh as the forefront, but rather sow to the things of the Lord first. Let the Lord be and make him the real focus of your heart and your life and do that. And it's, it's uh, I've become a fanatic now pretty much in some of those areas from the Bible reading through the year and stuff like that. And I realize that can become a sin too. If you just overdo some things like that into the legalistic standard. But it's just to me important to try to guard the affections of my heart. And so this passage here says, don't love the world. Anyone loves the world, love the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and then he gives the three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, these three things. The flesh, do you have lust in your flesh? Yes, I do. Not just sexual lust, but physical lust. Uh, <clears throat> I went down there last night uh, to um, Apollo Flame because I was running sort of late, and uh, I just wanted to get a, get a quick bite to eat. And you know, good on that. I like the Greek salad, but I keep thinking about this small pizza there that they yeah. have. It's really, really good. So I got small pizza, and I really enjoyed it, but it did pamper my flesh. They are good, huh? I'm not sure it really was that bad. Well, no, it wasn't bad at all. It was very good. I about an refrigerator later. But what I'm saying is that, um, that we, with the lust of the flesh, I carry. I know what it means to have, and you do too. And then the lust of the eyes, I came out this morning out of... Uh, Costa's kitchen, and there was a guy there that had a, a immaculately um, refurbished or whatever you call it car. It was a Corvair. The, I guess I don't know what year it was. It was a red Corvair, beautiful condition. And I was looking at that thing, and it's hard not to lust after it. It's a beautiful car. 
and uh, but we are things are that uh, appeal to the sight to the eyes they're, they're there as well as things that pat us on the back and boast in our pride and our arrogance and our self-sufficiency and the fact that I don't need any help I used to have a friend like that I've to help him in printing he says I don't need no help actually he was better than I was but I tried to tease him a little bit no he, he would do that so anyway we have these struggles lust of flesh uh, lust of the eyes the boastful pride of life the word lust there just means a longing after a pursuit uh, it's actually the same word is actually used of Jesus when he said with desire and desire to have this this Passover with you when he said that he's, he used the word lust I've, I've really desired to have this Passover with you before I suffer and so it's an important word there and we have this passion for lust for the flesh for the eyes of the things that appeal to the eyes and boastful pride of life and uh, we carry around with us in our own hearts this this uh, self-centered lustful ability to to wander away from the things of the lord and to seek our own self-centered goals satan doesn't have to do anything with me because i've got the flesh and it's so active that it really it's it's uh, and we all do we, we carry that with us in our hearts and so we are we are a walking battlefield in that sense but this is not this pride and stuff is not from the from the father but it's from the world and yet notice verse 17 the world and the world system is passing away it's temporary it's not going to be here uh, the lust that go with it all that's passing away but the person who does the will of God back to Psalm 2 that we were looking at it by the tree planted by the rivers of water uh, the person who does the will of God abides forever and I want to abide forever I don't want my life um, I don't know how to say that because my son and I were sitting down we were filling up looking at a form to fill out how you're going to have your memorial service remember that we were talking the other day and stuff like that and the one thing that I want to put at the top words is I don't want you to focus on me and I'll say that publicly. I'd, I'd rather just focus on Jesus there's nothing about me to say but everything about him I say it but funerals it's always inevitable you come up and you talk and say good things about people and people that live godless life you put them in heaven and all these kind of things and so I would rather not have anything said about me just go up and talk about the Lord and uh, because it, but that's what we want we want our lives to really not just talking here but really lift up the savior and to exalt him and to magnify him because that's all that matters and that's really really important and so uh that kind of what this verse is saying um that passage in galatians that i looked at earlier those who belong to christ have crucified the flesh the flesh with its passions and its desires that means we desire we we turn away from we we uh, abandon those things as we can and it's not that we're perfect we always carry the flesh with us but yet at the same time the spirit gives us victory and we can begin to more and more discipline ourselves and hopefully i will be making some progress one of these days he says if we live by the spirit let us walk by the spirit what does that mean we were saved by the work of the holy spirit in our lives through the work the holy spirit's been working if that's how we were saved that's how we should walk step by step and just let the spirit work in our hearts in our lives because the spirit and the flesh are opposite of each other and the scripture is clear that if we walk in the spirit we will not under any circumstances fulfill the lust of the flesh so it's important um in luke 14 
I'm where you have all these verses. But if anyone comes to me, Jesus said, and comes to me but doesn't hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What is he talking about there? He's not talking about that you're going to just go around and beat your wife and hate your kids and stuff like that. But he's saying, put Jesus first. That's the whole context. That's what he's saying. That's what he says when he says, no man can serve two masters. He will love the one. What's the relevant? Hate the other. That's what he's saying. You put one ahead of the other. Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, put me before your mom and dad and your wife and sisters and brothers and kids. Put your own, and before your own life. Can you do that? No, I can't do that. Not by myself. But if we present ourselves to him and we die to self, and that's what he's talking about, then we can, he will enable us to live for him and to love him and to serve him and to honor him. Um, Jesus said, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The cross is the of, of self-execution. Um, he says in Luke 14, 33, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. He says in Matthew 10, 38, and he who does not take his take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Uh, he says in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take his cross and follow me. Kind of clear. Die self, put Jesus first. Really seek to follow him. You have to, to, to uh, I don't mean to, it's, it's, a, it's a walk with the flesh, but you need to take seriously that call in your life. Really put that, put Put him first. Uh, Jesus said in John 3, and I'll close with, um, with this verse. Uh, he says that, uh, he reminds us that light has come into the world. That's Jesus. The Lord came in, light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. They love themselves, they love their own toys, they love the darkness rather than light, because their deeds are self-centered, their deeds are evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. He turns from the light. He, he wants to leave the light. And he does not come to the light, lest his deeds are exposed. But he who practices the truth, that is, that's the light, pursues the truth and practices the truth, comes to the light so that his deeds may be revealed and manifested as having been deeds that have been worked in his life by God, been done by God. So uh, the light is coming to the world. And I guess, I don't know the best way to challenge you except to say that to seek the Lord, put him first. Make sure you have room in your day for him. And, uh, you know, you're going to be, I'm sure you're going to be struggling with temptation just like I am. Uh, and it's real. We are living in the world. The Bible tells us Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, Peter tells us uh, that we are sojourners and exiles and we need to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war and so on and so forth. And I, I have more verses and you can tell that this is something that's the passion of my life and the reason it is is not because I've accomplished it but because I know it's something that's important and I'm seeking to follow it and obey it don't be deceived about your relationship with the Lord make sure that uh, and, and, and the way you can do that is by your life that's what that's what, what it proved for Debbie Debbie was given testimony she said she said she was a Christian but her life didn't back it up that's how you know what we like that's what, what you know what comes out of our life is our is our actions in our passions and things like that. And uh, if it's not what it should be, then really bring it before the Lord and ask him. Well, I didn't get to the message. It still didn't finish the introduction, but let's put it in prayer. <laughs> Father, thank you for your goodness to us. You're so good. You're so merciful. And um, thank you. Thank you for your patience with me. 
And I know that I am at times stubborn, joking about Peter and putting his foot in his mouth and stuff like that. And I do that, and I, I know what it's like to make big promises and then not to follow up on those promises. I guess we all do that, but I do it worse than most. And so I just pray that you, in your infinite mercy and grace, would have mercy on my life and have mercy on our lives. And Lord, help us to be pleasing to you. Help us, as Galatians 6, 7, and 8 say, tells us to sow to the Spirit, to sow the things of the Spirit. That would be things relating to our salvation, things of Bible study. That would be in things of prayer. That would be in things of church and fellowship. That would be in witnessing and doing good deeds, having fruit to our lives that come from abiding with Christ. These are things that we need to sow, we need to put into our lives. Help us, help us not to be content with twiddling spiritual fingers, but help us to really seek to follow you and to obey you and to practically serve you every day until you come. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks you.